Welcome to the Quality Improvement Box Set by RCVS Knowledge, a series of webinars, podcasts and video interviews for practices and practitioners. Hi everyone, today I'm talking to Sean Tranter. Sean is on the working group of the BVLA, that's the British Veterinary Locum Association, and I'm going to talk to Sean about how locums can fulfil the requirements that the college has um, to do some clinical governance. Hi, Sean. Hi, Pam. Thanks for asking me. So this is quite a, a new thing, I feel, to many of us. Clinical governance is described in the code as a continuing process of reflection, analysis and improvement in professional practice for the benefit of the animal patient and the client owner. Now, most of us do this every day throughout our working day on our drive home in the night. The challenge really is to turn that rumination into a coherent plan to benefit animal safety, effectiveness and patient outcomes. Um, So when I say it's a new thing, it's only a new concept in terms of the words, perhaps to many of us. Um, So as a locum, we may not be involved in the practice-wide clinical governance um, movements. So one thing that you and I discussed a little while ago, which you suggested, which is very helpful, is keeping a locum diary. Um, recording interesting or difficult cases, new or useful practice protocols, significant events, both positive and negative, and recording challenging situations, because this can all help later with um, reflection. And our diary then can help us to identify our learning needs when we reflect on those things that went in a difficult way. And that can stimulate us to research, perhaps, converse with colleagues or book a CPD course just to block that learning gap. I think planning professional development around real situations can help keep learning fresh because we see our practice improve. Absolutely I think that's a great idea and having the diary because you know you think something happens and and uh, you have a challenging case and and you look up some papers about it and you you consult some um, you know referral places and then Something happens again at another practice a year later, but you can't look back on the notes because you're somewhere completely different and you remember that you did these things, but you can't, if you're like me, <laughs> you, f- you forget exactly what was what was said. So I think keeping the diary, um, you know, just a, a few little notes about all these things um, is a good idea. You know, it can be an online diary, obviously, but, but I, think that's, I think that's a great idea, Sean. Um, and the other thing is following up cases is difficult, isn't it, when you're a locum? So following up cases is really hard. And I think most of us would really want to know if there's something that's unexpected, you know, particularly if we're getting repeated sequelae that we wouldn't expect. So I think being allowed on a practice WhatsApp group can be absolutely brilliant. Um, And you can go back and check with people within a reasonable timescale, but also maybe having a clinical buddy for all locums when they go into practices, someone they can discuss cases with then and after um, and you can agree it doesn't have to be onerous it could just be a messaging relationship or an email or a phone call because we would like to be updated and I think it's important for clinical governance that we know what's happened to cases as much as possible so having that relationship within the practice is extremely helpful. No I agree and and the ones that you worry about I mean I, I tended when I was when I was doing locum work to ring up and ask about yeah. But the thing is, we never find out about those ones that we didn't worry about, but maybe something did happen with them. Hopefully it didn't. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss, but it's good to know, isn't it, what um, what's happening. So you can, as you say, reflect on, on what you did with that particular case and, and, and think about it. And what about um, joining in practice meetings? I think so, that was useful for locums if they can. 
Yeah, so this is difficult. As a local, we miss out on quite a lot, don't we? You know, appraisal, M&M, rounds off and significant events, audits and these things. But actually, um, if practices are happy to, then it's great to have a locum there because it's a fresh pair of eyes. When we all do things the same in a practice, sometimes it's great with a challenging event to talk about it with someone from outside. So as far as possible, it's great for practices to involve locums and for locums to be willing to go. Um, that's really helpful in those sorts of practice meetings and the rounds and debriefs and significant event audits. And uh, it's really important that everybody in a practice, all of the team, uh, can input into meetings, isn't it? And, and one thing I found when I was locuming is um, one of my practices um, started using their practice management system to collect all the um, everything they wanted to know about for their next meeting. And so for me, I, I did a lot of Saturday mornings and I'd write on a piece of paper something I wanted them to discuss with the rest of the team. By lunchtime Saturday, the paper's in the bin and I've completely forgotten about it. Whereas if I'd quickly gone onto the practice management system and just put a note, discuss buster collars post whatever surgery or something, then even if I wasn't there, they were really good at then including that in the next practice meeting, say, um, you know, Pam put this in, and then letting me know what the result was. And I think that uh, putting the, the little notes from the meeting back onto the practice management system, so next time I was there, I could have a look. That's brilliant. I think when I did some working groups to talk, focus groups to talk about standards with locums, one of them actually said to me, sometimes I feel like an automaton. I'm put in a room and I'm just given a job. And I completely understand how that happens because practices are busy and that's why they've got a locum. But perhaps if we could see our locums a little bit more as resources, involve them in discussions that are happening in practice, get some feedback. So some brave locums ask practices, they send feedback forms with their invoices to find out how they're doing really and it's almost like a 360 you know you get your communication mentioned maybe your um, adherence to protocols and for some locums that works incredibly well and it's a it's a evidence of clinical governance isn't it of trying to improve our practice um, getting that information about cases that may be issues and the other way around as well some practices ask for feedback from locums because in that way they can make a locum induction pack that means that locums find it easy to um, be compliant with their policies and protocols and discuss things. And many practices have said to me that's the way that they've really managed to use locums most effectively. And it's so much better for the locums too. I mean, again, you know, I've been to places where you're very lucky if they explain to you how to use the computer system and after that you're, you're on your own. But if you do know what the, what the protocols are and also what clinical guidelines maybe that they're using too, which have been drawn up, you know, by the team, um, if you know all those things, then you hit the ground running as a locum, don't you? You can actually fit in better and therefore the practice gets better value from you. Absolutely. So that was really interesting what you said about evidence, because obviously um, you're absolutely right, I think, that clinical governance, we've all been doing it. I mean, I've been qualified more than 40 years and we've always discussed cases, haven't we? Over coffee or whatever, you know, there's always been those discussions. But it's about having a framework and it's about... Um, showing some results, but it's also about, about showing some evidence. So I think having evidence in the locum diaries and, and having evidence, um, as you say, from, from feedback from the practices is, is a really good idea. I must uh, say, I found that our CVS Knowledge QI box set really helpful. Oh, um, looking at this because it just gives you as well the knowledge awards give you an idea of exactly what you can do because as a personal you know that working alone auditing is a little more complicated as well you know in practice I used to audit by pulling all the records off the computer and having a big list and going through and see what how I was doing 
But I think as an individual, you have to have a specific question set up because you have to ask for that data while you're there in order to audit your procedures, your investigations, whatever it is you want to check is working. Absolutely. And I think quality, um, quantitative audit is a lot harder, um, but you can at least do some qualitative audit in as much as, you know, follow follow things up, etc. But yeah, hopefully, I mean, quality improvement for those of you who are not, don't really know the difference between clinical governance and quality improvement, which is obviously we all get a bit confused. Quality improvement is is the way to do audit. It's, audit tells us, uh, sorry, clinical governance tells us what we need to do. And quality improvement tells us how to do it. It gives us those tools, as you say, um, to do the things like um, like significant event audits and, and M&M meetings and things like that. And thinking about that, I mean, this is another area, isn't it, for, for locums when errors occur in practice? Yeah, so that's very difficult, isn't it? Because we do really miss out on those peer relationships that can make this not go away but make it a lot easier and I've spoken in clinical supervision I've spoken to people who've been sole charge at a branch something's happened no one else was present no one else witnessed it they feel very alone perhaps if they then yield a complaint and that could happen to locums so I do think it's important to cultivate professional relationships in your life where you can debrief and talk about these things for support and for accountability um, none of us are infallible and we will all make mistakes. So perhaps being prepared is a good idea. Um, if you can, then opportunities to, and help offered by the practice involved is incredibly helpful um, because sometimes there is a systems error within the practice itself. It's not just your personal error. You know, sometimes I've had people giving themselves a hard time because of monocrawl breaking down there when there was actually a systemic failure in that batch um, and it's things like that because you if you're working alone you never find those things out um, so talking to the practice as well debriefing where possible where it's difficult then talking to other veterinary professionals talking to a supervisor or vet life are fantastic they offer a wonderful resource and also we should talk most of us are indemnified by the vds um, and they of course have vet safe which is a reporting system to record near misses, mistakes and significant events. Um, and VetSafe not only records them, but can help you understand why mistakes have happened, does a root cause analysis and you get a report in a no blame culture, which is really helpful and also shares learning with other practitioners. So I would advocate the use of VetSafe for locums. It does support second victims, you know, the clinicians affected by mistakes really well. Absolutely. And we have got great resources around significant event audit too on our knowledge website. We've got lots of root cause analysis tools. And I think yeah. it's so important. I mean, if practices don't debrief with locums about things that have happened, then practices aren't going to learn. Locums aren't going to learn. But practices aren't going to learn where it may be, as you so rightly say, their practice system that's actually been a large part of the issue. Because significant event audit is all about looking at systems, isn't it, rather than blaming individuals. Um, the other thing I was wondering about is, you know, when it comes to like drawing up guidelines and things and looking at evidence, are there any sort of um, online journal clubs that locums could join in? So we are hoping so far um, there have been some, but Small Animal Medicine Society did some during um, COVID, which were absolutely wonderful. And there are some that referral practices do. But at the BVLA, we are hoping to introduce voluntary accountability and support groups, which could be journal clubs, case reflection. We all know when we go to CPD that we learn quite a lot at lunchtime, don't we? We learn from the lectures, but we also learn from talking to other practitioners. And it's really giving people that opportunity because locums do face slightly different questions in terms of clinical governance. 
because they may work in different practices. So often their audit questions are about their own management of cases more than systems. So we're hoping that people will join those groups to support one another, learn from one another, share knowledge. Now, online and actual virtual um, journal clubs can sound frightening. I remember when I was doing my certificate, that was the most scary bit, but they're not really. If you just look at, there may be one thing in this paper that might change my practice subtly and for the better. You know, it doesn't have to be highbrow, does it? It can actually just be something that will change your practice. And I think that will be really helpful. Um, it is good for locums to seek out those relationships either with other locums or veterinary profession. For debrief, I talk to a lot of emergency critical care workers who may need to ring someone literally after a shift when they've had a bad time. Um, and clinical supervision is offered now in veterinary to veterinary surgeons through VetReflect. But you can also arrange that yourselves, support each other, talk about clinical cases, challenge each other. In other professions where people work as sole practitioners, it's untenable not to work with a mentor, supervisor or colleague in a supervisory capacity. So I do think it would be great if we could put something in place that just gave us a level of accountability and support. Yeah, that, that's really interesting about um, about online journal clubs. And for anybody who's a bit, um, as I was, a bit sort of worried about how you how you critically appraise a paper, um, and the other part of RCBS knowledge is all about evidence-based medicine. And in focus, has got some great stuff about appraising papers um, done by Sally Everett. And there's some papers that are uh, that Sally has started doing the appraising. There's a checklist of how to do it, and then there's some that have been partly done, so they could be a really good start for a journal club. And they're on practical things, like this on one is on adopting surgical safety checklists. And that's another QI tool, isn't it? That, um, it is, and it may be really useful for locums. I must say, when I go into different practices and they use different protocols, it can be quite difficult to get used to their drugs and protocols quickly. Um, so taking your own surgical safety checklist or anaesthetic checklisting can offer you some consistency. So some locums find checklists exceptionally helpful because there's so many different distractions in practice and so many different things that you need to know that you have done the things that you're happy and comfortable to have done. And most people find checklists make things quicker rather than slower because your thinking is done on paper. And we're not just talking about small animal locums here, are we? Because, no. I, you know, I've been to a farm practice where you're always by yourself when you're doing a, a cow or whatever, but they had laminated checklists that you could take out with you and fill in to remind you as you're going through and then take a, a photo, laminated so they could be cleaned, <laughs> take a photo when they're filled in and just uh, ping it back so, so there's a record. But locums could do that for their own benefit too. And I've talked to equine, an equine practitioner too, who was single-handed, who uses their own checklist for all the procedures so you know we're not just working it in small animal practice but but checklists at the end of the day um they're really a communication tool aren't they they are and it does yeah help to have all of that clearly put out doesn't it and i'm sorry to neglect the large animal equine locums you're absolutely right they're the ones that find it even harder to talk to people about cases because there are fewer of them and we are hoping in the bbla that we can put them together in order for them to support each other in their practice um, yeah, we are quite small animal led sometimes, aren't we? One of the beauties of QI, QI tools, quality improvement tools, is that most of them apply in any setting and even in a non-veterinary setting. I mean, you know, I have to have my own checklist for everything, quite honestly. The other thing is that checklists are, um, they're also a, a thing around situational awareness, aren't they? They're, they're making you think about what might happen. So yes. there's all these non-technical skills, the things we don't learn at vet school, which is so important. 
I do think that's helpful. For example, I was somewhere today and the pulse oximeter was nowhere and we were having a bit of an issue and the pulse oximeter did exist and it was on my checklist and I hadn't looked at that part of my checklist. And actually, if I ticked pulse oximeter, we wouldn't have been running around the practice with me and a locum nurse looking for the pulse oximeter, which was there and readily available. I just hadn't got it ready. And I think this is an issue, isn't it? Especially when you get a locum vet and a locum nurse in a practice. And I think at the moment that with the pressure that practices are under, that's even more likely to happen. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think there are ways, aren't there, for um, for locums to be engaging with, with quality improvement. And if you know, there's anything more helpful that we can do at Knowledge, that any more resources that would, would be useful, we're very happy to look at those. But generally, I think it is, as you said at the beginning, all about just thinking about what, what you're doing and thinking about could you have done anything different? Um, could you do anything better? Could you communicate better? All those kinds of things. It's an attitude of curiosity, isn't it? And just being open to actually every day being a school day. And I know that's really difficult in the present climate because often we're going into quite stressed practices, very stressed people that we haven't necessarily got time to ask questions of. And so staying open about your own practice is difficult, but it is an exceptionally useful habit. And I think it would be so useful um, to have a, a, an association of locums, somewhere that locums can talk to other locums. Because I was lucky when after I um, left my practice and I was locuming, I had some colleagues who were also doing it. And we used to have unofficial meeting up for coffee or just having a bit of a, you know, a bit of a moan sometimes on the phone, to be honest. But at least it was somebody to debrief with. But not everybody's got that luxury, have they? No, and I do think it's really important to cultivate. David Bartram did a study in 2009 on the psychosocial working conditions and work-related stresses in UK vets. And the sources of greater satisfaction were good clinical outcomes, which we all want, and also relationships with colleagues. And sometimes we miss out on that completely. And it's a huge factor in job satisfaction to have those people to debrief, a joke with as well, but also to support you in your case management. No, no, definitely. And that's the whole point of quality improvement is to try and improve outcomes, try and improve care, which is what we go to work for, isn't it? Yeah. But also to improve learning of the team or in this case, the individual um, to improve job satisfaction. And I think these things in a practice um, can help with practice culture. And I think as locums, we very quickly get an idea of practice culture when we work in a practice. Yeah, for good or for bad sometimes. But I think we can be helpful if we go in with that curious attitude. It's amazing how then that can reflect in other relationships. And we learn loads going to different practices, don't we? So it's a real give and take relationship, a real pleasure, actually. Absolutely. And, I, and you know, I was practice standards assessor, too. And the same with that. It was so lovely going into practices. And, and um, you always learn something new. And the same as a locum, you, you always learn something new from a practice and think that's a really good way. But practices should also um, use that in, in locums and in practice standards assessors in that they can use that um, knowledge that that we have about how other people do things because when you're in one practice for a long time you tend to get in a very set way of doing things so it's quite nice to kind of look over the fence and say oh well in other practices I've seen it done this way might not agree with it but it's just good to have that information. You do forget don't you there are many ways to do veterinary medicine and you can become I was in a practice for 22 years and that was the only way to do it in my head so having fresh pairs of eyes is really helpful and just different skill sets maybe that you don't have in your practice? 
Absolutely. So I think, you know, it's great, really positive what you're doing at the, at the BVLA. I think that's great. And I think um, there are plenty of ways that um, people who are working either in single-handed practice or as locums can fulfil the clinical governance requirements. But it's been really great to talk to you and give, hopefully, give people some ideas of what they can do. Yes, it's been fab to talk about it. I really hope that people feel they can take some of them on board and that it enriches their practice. For further courses, examples and templates for quality improvement, please visit our quality improvement pages on our website at rcvsknowledge.org. Thank you.